0: Well, good morning, church. If you're new and visiting, my name is Brendan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you already, would love to meet you and um, give you a warm welcome to our church. As you can see, we're in the middle of an Exodus series. I think this is message 31. So we're flying. Uh, next week, we're actually going to pause and uh, preach a different message in the lead up to uh, retreat. Dave's going to be uh, bringing God's word to us about the Holy Spirit as we explore what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts during our weekend away. So be excited for that. Uh, that's coming next week. Uh, but today we're diving in to continue on with the Ten Commandments, uh, this week looking at commandment number four. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up to Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to be reading from verse 8. Exodus Chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work you Or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore... The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Would you pray with me? Lord God, this morning we come with great thanks for your word. Your word is a life-bringing word. Your word is a truth-bringing word. Your word is a word that points us to your son, our Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning as we open your words, uh, despite what our weeks might have been, despite the condition of our hearts, we pray for a divine softening. We pray that you would help us to bow the knee at your word this morning and to hear from you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if I was to ask you a common question, how are you going? What would you say? Here's one answer I have never heard from anybody in Sydney. Well, first of all, I'm not very busy. (laughs) You know, we live in a city that is frantically busy. You know, in fact, as a society, we've never been busier. You know, most of history, at night, people lived in darkness and so they went to bed. But now, with the invention of lights, electricity, technology, uh, things have changed. You know, in the past, you could only travel as far as you could go walking or riding or sailing. But things have dramatically changed, haven't they? Uh, In the 1960s, people actually thought that in the future, which then was the 80s, uh, we would do a lot less because of technology. It would do it all for us. But that's not been the case, has it? In fact, it's been the opposite. The truth is that technology has created more opportunity, and so we've found ourselves, as a people, as a culture, doing more and more and more. And, you know, here in Sydney, uh, particularly on the North Shore, where this driven, high-achieving, successful, and constantly connected uh, people in this community, aren't we? And here's how life can kind of look for many of us day after day. The alarm goes off while it's still dark. And, you know, if you're like me, you snooze a few extra times before you get up. And it's a pretty good night because you're only up three times with the kids. And you check your phone quickly for the score on Wimbledon before you get up out of bed. Uh, You get showered like you usually do, you get dressed like you usually do, you grab your toes, you hit the door for the train. And as you're walking through, you stop at your coffee shop where you wait as you usually do in the queue while you flick through the news headlines and you check your emails on your phone. You jump onto the train and you try reading your Bible on the Bible app a little bit, but you kind of flick in and out between the app and your emails and you think to yourself, well, I'll come back to it later. And after a busy day at the office, it's already dark when you jump on the train, you put on the podcast, you listening to at the moment. It's the teacher's pet podcast. It's really interesting. You get back home, you grab the car, you pick up the t- kids from the piano lessons, and you're home just in time for dinner. And then you find yourself washing up after dinner with your iPad up and Stranger Things season three playing on the iPad, um, afterwards which you put your kids in bed. You respond to a few emails in the quiet before you hit the bed yourself. And then you put that on repeat day after day after day. After day, and our lives can feel kind of like cluttered, busy. Uh, You can also kind of feel like Tired like constantly, like all the time, and a little bit like there's this kind of low level anxiety hanging around. More in the midst of the busyness, uh, you can find it kind of challenges your faith a little bit, and you start kind of wondering, feeling, Is God with me? Is He near to me? Is it all true? And we're also a church of young families, and so we kind of, for a lot of us here, we have the unique challenge of sleepless nights. I see you from the front. the pulpit. I see you young parents out there nodding off, you know, you think you can't be seen from the front, you can, you know, drifting, the glazed eyes, the yawns. And I feel like I'm kind of standing on a cliff at the moment with this kind of valley of tiredness, you know, right before us as Charlotte turns full term just tomorrow. And, And in the midst of our busy lives, my point is, is it can be hard to find rest. But this morning, I want to preach a message of good news to the tired and weary. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, this message I'm entitled, Remember the Sabbath. Uh, I'm going to look at three important questions. We're going to spend nearly all the time on the first one, so don't panic. Um, if you think, oh my goodness, this is going to be the longest sermon ever, it won't be, Hopefully. Uh, one take home for today. I've taken notes. One take home I'll be plugging on, uh, and that is that the Sabbath is God's gracious gift to help us find rest and enjoyment in Him. That's what I want you to take away from today. If you leave with nothing else, I want you to leave seeing that the Sabbath is a gift. It's God's gracious gift, and it's all about helping us find rest and enjoyment in Him. All right, let's dive in. Question number one for this morning, for us as a church: What is the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is the English transliteration, so kind of like spelled out in English, a Hebrew word, a common Hebrew word, which actually means stopping, or stoppage, or cessation, or rest. Uh, Its basic meaning, Sabbath, is to stop. And it refers to God's command in our passage to stop all regular work on the seventh day of the week. Now, arguably, in the Bible and of the Ten Commands, it's actually the most important of them. It has the most space devoted to it, and it's referred to more times than any of the other commands in the Bible. Now, you might not be aware of it, but if you're sitting here this morning and you enjoy a weekend off, you actually have God to thank for it. You know, we're so used to the concept of a seven-day week with rest at the end of the week— That's kind of easy to think that the world must have always been this way, but the truth is it hasn't. In fact, prior to the Bible, there is no recorded example of any ancient people having an instituted weekly day of rest. It just didn't exist. The Jewish Sabbath is unique. And for historians who don't believe in God, it's actually a puzzle. Where on earth did this Sabbath come from? You know, for most of history, if you were rich, you tried to work as little as possible. And for most of history, if you were poor, you had no rest at all. You never rested. You worked and you worked and you worked. But here's the point. Though the Israelites were the first nation on earth to enjoy a day of rest, it's actually really important to remember that the Sabbath didn't come from here at Mount Sinai. You know, even in our passage this morning, verse 8, if you drop down and read it, it says the first three words, remember the Sabbath. How could they remember something they'd never heard of? No, the Sabbath already existed. But well, when did the Sabbath come into existence? Well, the Bible teaches that the Sabbath came into existence when God created the very fabric of the universe itself. You know, in Genesis, uh, it says the following in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. From all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God Sabbathed, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You see, God created the universe on Sunday and he finished it on Friday and he blessed Saturday, the seventh day, as a special day. Why? Because God Sabbathed. He ceased. He finished from all his work. He stopped. And when God created the fabric of this universe, he created a pattern for all of his creatures. A rhythm of work and rest. And it reappears again, this idea of Sabbath, in the wilderness in Exodus chapter 16, before They had received the Ten Commandments. God says the following, um, just to review in Exodus chapter 16, verse 22. He says the following. He says, On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil or cook what you will cook, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. When Israel then arrived at Mount Sinai in our passage, they were already practicing the Sabbath. Well, here's a question then. Why then does God even give a commandment here if they were already doing it? Well, the answer is because God gives the Sabbath as the sign of his covenant with Israel at Mount Sinai. Read with me again verse eight from our passage. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day, just for people that are wondering, doesn't mean that you kind of go, pause, all right. That's right, today's the Sabbath. Yeah, okay, good, carry on. No, remembering in Hebrew thinking is tied to action. So it's kind of remember and practice is what it's all about. Keep it holy. Keep it set apart specifically for God and his use. Let's read on verses 9 and 10 again. It says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. You know, we're so rich and used to the idea of a weekend, we kind of miss the significance of these verses. You've got to remember that the Israelites were poor nomads. For most of history, the Israelites were subsistence farmers. They had to work to eat. Take a day off and you risk going hungry. And you could kind of sense the temptation that they might have felt on a Sabbath day. Well, look, you know, I'll take the Sabbath, but son, off to the field for you. God says, no, not your son. Okay, no worries. Son, you and I, we'll take the Sabbath day off, but daughter off to the field for you. No, not your daughter either. All right, then we'll all stay as a family together on the Sabbath, but servants, off you go out into the field. No, 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 not your servant either. Okay, who's that refugee bloke that's just here in our town? Right, and why don't you, I'll, pay you, I'll pay you the sort of Sunday bonus rates, Saturday bonus rates, and you go into the field. No, not them either. Right, well, we'll rest. The animals will do the work. No, not even your animals. It's complete Rest, but notice it's not primarily even for the people's sake, it doesn't say Sabbath for you, it says, No, the seventh day is a Sabbath to or for the Lord, it's primarily for God. You know, as Exodus unfolds, God explains that the Sabbath is going to have a special significance for His people. Jump forward to chapter 31 of Exodus in verse 16. It says the following It says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You see, what God is saying here is that the Sabbath is going to be a special sign of the unique relationship that God has formed with his people. It's a sign of his covenant. People were going to look on at this physical nation and they would know that they're God's special people as they observe this pattern of work, rest, and worship. Work, rest, and worship. Work, rest, and worship. Well, what's so special about stopping work that God would want to make it the sign of his covenant with Israel? Well, we find out just in the preceding verses, in verses 12 to 13. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. And this is, this is so good. This is filled with grace. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations That you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You catch the grace in that? Why would God's people be asked to stop working every single week? The Sabbath is a weekly reminder that salvation comes from God. Here's the one who's called them out of Egypt. Here's the one who's taking them to the promised land. Here's the one who will make them holy, who will sanctify them. And to remind you, every week, I want you to stop. Cease working. Stop. You see, the Sabbath was to become the sign of the special relationship between God and his people. But this meant that breaking it was the most serious of sins. In chapter 31, verse 14, it says this. It says, You shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work, that soul shall be cut off from the rest of his people. Six days shall, be, shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, shall be put to death. So serious was it to break the Sabbath that twice execution was commanded. Why? Why? That sounds a bit harsh. Why was that the case? Uh, Desmond Alexander puts it the following way uh, in his commentary on Exodus. He says, By the fact that he kept or did not keep the Sabbath each week, and Israelite showed without ambiguity whether or not he was committed to keeping the covenant. Not to keep it would be to say publicly to the world, I am not in covenant relationship with the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the special sign from God that you were in relationship with him. And so not to keep it was like saying, well, I'm not, I'm not part of that. I don't follow the Lord of the Sabbath. But you see, that's not where the story of the Sabbath ends. You see, the Sabbath is fulfilled and transformed by Jesus. You know, for hundreds of years, Israel continued to live with the Sabbath as the special sign of their covenant. And along the way, they lost God's heart for what the Sabbath was all about and became focused on the detailed keeping of laws that they had made up themselves laws about what constitutes work and or rest. You know, today I'm told that if you visit Israel, uh, you'll find that on Friday evenings and Saturdays for the Sabbath, elevator buttons do not work. Uh, And elevators or lifts, they actually stop on every single floor going up and every single floor going down. Why is that? That's because for Orthodox Jews, to this day, to press a button on an elevator... Is considered to be work. And Jesus comes in to, to his time in first century Palestine, and he himself perfectly kept the Sabbath, but only as God had commanded in the Bible. And he reminded people of God's initial intent. He says the following in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man. For the Sabbath. So the, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus says you've lost the plot. It was always a gift for you from God. The Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. It's a gracious gift. Even more, says Jesus, I'm Lord over the Sabbath. I'm the one who gave you the Sabbath in the first place, says Jesus. And Jesus goes to do more than just keep the Sabbath. He goes on to fulfill it. Remember the Sabbath? It was all about God's celebration, commemorating the way that he completed his work of creating the universe. Jesus completes the work of the Father in a new and special way on the cross. In John 19, verse 28, as Jesus is hanging in agony on the cross, he says, It is finished. And just like on the seventh day, God finished his work of creating, on Good Friday, Jesus finished his work of atoning. Then on Sunday, the first day of the week, he rose again to new life from the grave. He then sends out his disciples to bring the kingdom of God into place no longer as a physical ethnic nation living in one place but a people from all around the world, from every tribe and every tongue. And he gives them new covenant, a new covenant with new signs of the covenant replacing the Sabbath and circumcision with the Lord's Supper and baptism. And in response to this, shortly after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples begin to meet and worship on the day that Jesus was rose from the dead. And they called it the Lord's Day on the first day of the week, Sunday. Uh, Just as an example, there's many examples, but Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, when we were gathered to break bread. God's people already coming to celebrate and to gather together the worship on not the seventh day, but the first day. And this is the Christian version of the Sabbath. The Lord's Day is no longer the sign of the covenant. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are. But the Sabbath still remains as a wonderful gift to us as God's people. You know, we might not stone people to death for breaking it anymore, but it's still bound up into the very fabric of our world as part of the grain of the universe, this rhythm of Work, rest, and worship. Work, rest, and worship. And it still continues to this day as a wonderful gift of grace. You see, the Sabbath is God's gracious gift to help us find rest and enjoyment in Him. Well, that is our first question. What is the Sabbath? We now move on to... Question number two, which is, why does the Sabbath matter today? You might be sitting there and thinking, okay, Brendan, I get all that Old Testament stuff. The Sabbath was a sign of Israel's relationship to God, and that Jesus fulfilled it and transformed it. So why does it matter today? Well, I've got two real points um, that I believe the Bible teaches on this. I want to bring to us today about why I believe it still matters. And the first one is this. The Sabbath still matters because we're dust. It still matters because we're dust. You know, in the Bible, Moses had a famous prayer. Uh, It comes from Psalm uh, chapter 90. And uh, it says this. Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to the dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night goes on to say, the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know, church, the truth is that for all of us sitting here this morning, we are but Dust. Beloved, but dust. We're not the center of the universe. God is. He made us from the dust, and he will return us to the dust once more. You know, I want to put to you this morning that so much of our busyness culture here in Sydney is an arrogant denial of, Of this truth. You know, in Sydney, there's kind of this culture, it's kind of a I'm working harder than you culture. And kind of implicit in that is I'm working harder than you, and therefore I am more important than you. You know, it's kind of like almost sometimes it's like people are sort of saying, it's necessary for me to let you know how hard I work so that you'll truly appreciate how important I must be. And so even in our Christian cultures, it can come across like this, like, please pray for me. You know, it's been very, very busy for me for the past few years. I'm always working long. I'm always getting a little sleep. I'm always traveling loads. And I'm often sacrificing my days off. And the subtext is, I want you to realize how important both my job and I are, and probably more important than you and your job. But here's where the beautiful gift of the Sabbath comes into play. We get to stop while God alone continues to work. And we get to stop and remember that our place in the universe is that we're just dust. You know, we might, for some of us, and I fall into this, recognize that people need rest, but we sort of begin to tell ourselves that we're kind of in a special category of person. They need rest, but I have a huge capacity. Sometimes it just takes a sleepless night to flip that all the way around to the other direction. But Christopher Ash comments on this idea, and 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 he says this, I think it's so helpful. It's from his book, Zeal Without Burnout. He says, the rest of God in Genesis 2 does not mean he takes a break from governing the universe. It is the rest of having completed the creation he had made. But God works tirelessly to sustain creation, to feed creation, and to govern creation by his providence. He does not sleep, and he does not take Sabbath rests. But we must. If we neglect this, we are implicitly claiming an affinity with God that mortals cannot claim. The truth is, despite what we might tell ourselves, we're just dust. And in God's timescale... Tomorrow, from this earth, we're gone. And Sabbath is a gift to us because we're dust. It reminds us that we're limited, but that there is a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. It reminds us that we're not at the center of the universe, He is. So that's the first reason I want to put to you that the Sabbath matters today. It's because we're dust. I have a second reason that I want to put to you that the Sabbath matters today, and that is because we need spiritual renewal. You know, some people might still not be convinced at this point. They might be sort of thinking there and say, yeah, yeah, I, know, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I don't need a day off. Like, seriously, I'm fine. But if we think that Sabbath is predominantly about physical rest, we've actually missed the point. It actually points to our deep need for spiritual renewal. Remember what verse 8 says, chapter 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. To keep it set apart for God's use. Remember again, verse 9, what we were reading before. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath To the Lord. The Sabbath, you see, it's not predominantly for us and our resting, but for the Lord. More, it's about copying the very example of God himself. For in six days, verse 11 says, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. You know, God isn't saying in the Sabbath, do what I say. God in the Sabbath is saying, do what I did. We image God by taking and following his pattern of work and ceasing. Desmond Alexander says it again this way in his commentary. He says, God's model in this matter "...obviates all objections from anyone that he or she doesn't need to take a day off, since God could hardly wear himself out. The Sabbath is not portrayed as a day of recuperation from those too weak to keep working day after day without rest. It is portrayed, rather, as a stoppage good for everyone, for the purpose of refocusing on holiness, in order to enjoy God's blessings of that day and its potential." The Sabbath, in other words, is designed to help people become spiritually stronger and closer to God. Whatever it does by way of helping people recuperate from being physically tired is an incidental rather than a primary benefit. Did you catch that? The Sabbath is a gift to help us become spiritually stronger and closer to God. You see, the Sabbath isn't primarily about physical rest. It's about spiritual rest. See, the fruit of our busyness is that we become distracted and we forget the glories of God in Christ. it doesn't it say something about us that God has to command us to stop and enjoy him? Now Kevin DeYoung, uh, helpfully, in his book "Crazy Busy," puts it this way: He says, "If you were physically sick and didn't know what was wrong, you would go to the doctors, set up appointments, check the Internet, call your insurance company. And read up on all the latest treatments. You would go far and wide seeking a remedy for your physical illness. But when it comes to spiritual illness, we barely look for a diagnosis, let alone the cure. Yet here is God, the great physician, saying, I'll give you one day in seven to attend to your soul, to come and worship, to grow, to breathe, and to be nourished. Why would the day of worship not be a day of great gladness for us? See, the Lord's Day, it's a beautiful gift for our own spiritual good. It ought to be an opportunity for us to breathe every week, a source of great joy for us to gather and worship, to stop and remember the Lord is the one who sanctifies us, that we only contribute filthy rags to our salvation. The Sabbath, it's this beautiful picture of grace, the grace of God through Jesus Christ at work in us. And so we stop working and we rest and we remember that. Well, not just question one, what is the Sabbath? Not just question two, why does it matter today? But question three and finally, well, how do we apply the Sabbath? How do we live in the good of it? Well, I've got four kind of brief points for us, points of application to consider in response to this teaching on sabbath and the first one is quite a brief one uh, and that is that we apply this message of the sabbath by first of all guarding our hearts against judging others you know there are differing views in the christian community about the sabbath But the Bible clearly teaches that the Sabbath is a gift, and it's not about the specific day, but it is about a pattern of work and rest and worship. Despite this, we're commanded by God not to judge those who think differently. Uh, Romans 14 verse 4 says the following. He says, Paul, writing to the Romans, he says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Listen to this. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems them all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Paul encourages us and tells us not to judge fellow servants of God on this matter specifically. It was so important in Paul's day because Hebrews or Jewish people were living alongside people, uh, Gentiles, who had no background whatsoever in the Old Testament law. We're to guard our hearts against judging others on this topic. That's the first point. Secondly, and I think this is huge for us, we apply this message on the Sabbath by trusting God enough to rest. You know, if you're someone who's overwhelmed and life just seems to be crazy... Putting this into practice is going to require great faith. You know, for some people here, I think it might mean working harder on six days so you can rest on that one day. But I don't think that's the majority of people here. For a lot of us, I think applying this is going to mean that because you're overcommitted, you have to give something up. For a lot of us, it might mean that you're actually going to disappoint someone Who's looking to you at the moment for help? For someone, for some of us here, it might mean that you can't get that promotion or that you can't work all those hours and you're going to get paid less. But here's what I encourage you God is faithful and you can trust Him. You know, we've been blessed with wealth beyond anything that Israel could have imagined. And for those people at this time when God was giving this commandment through Moses, living meal to meal, it must have been hard for them to stop and rest, but God was faithful. And so in the same way, Jesus encourages us with Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, where he says, Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Friends, it's a promise to you. I think that's the second application, but I think it's such an important one for us. We need to trust God enough to rest. Thirdly, an application of this is really we need to give ourselves to a day of worship. You know, remembering that the Sabbath was designed to be a day to the Lord for the Lord's use. Uh, For us as a church, Sunday is the day when we come together as a family to worship, right? Here we are. And it's the greatest day of the week. We get to love one another, we get to serve one another. But you know what, friends? In our Christian culture, it's increasingly becoming less of a priority, even amongst those that would consider themselves committed Christians. These days, the new committed Christian—it's once a month—is considered regular church attendance. You know, for others of us, maybe we're coming, but we're even—we're coming late, just making it in through the doors. We're leaving early, and we're not just coming with that attitude of wanting to serve and to worship. Uh, Again, Kevin DeYoung commenting on this for for families, young families in particular. Uh, Kevin DeYoung says the following, he says, Are we teaching our kids that Sunday is the day we go to church or the day we try and squeeze in church? You know, I understand that parents may draw the line in different places, but surely there are a few habits more important to pass on to our children than the rock-solid routine of going to church every Sunday. It would be hard for our children to come to the conclusion that church is important for them if we raise them to think that it was only third or fourth priority for us, we may say that Jesus is Lord but end up showing that soccer is the real king. It's so true, isn't it? What does our example say to those that are watching on? And that's the really hard question. I want you just just to even pause now think about it. What sort of priority does Sunday take in my life? What would my kids say? What would my friends say? Would they say, Jesus is Lord? Or would they say, sleep is Lord? Or holidays are Lord? Or sports commitments are Lord? Or work is Lord? Or family time is Lord. And I don't want to say this to condemn you. I want to say this to encourage you. Sabbath is a gift to rest and enjoy Jesus. We're crazy not to take it. So not just guarding against judging, not trusting God enough to rest, which I think is so important, committing ourselves to being here to worship. Finally, last but not least, we apply this message by resting in Christ every day. You know, as Christians, there's a different kind of rest that we enter into, not just once a week, but every single day. And that is the rest from doing good to try and win God's favor. You know, there's this uh, complicated passage in Hebrews that talks about the truth that those who have believed in Jesus will enter into God's rest. And so Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, it says the following. The writer of the Hebrews says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest, that is by believing in Jesus, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, that is by believing in Jesus, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Every day, day after day after day. We get to come to God through Christ and rest in his finished work on the cross. And that, my friends, is a true and a lasting Sabbath rest. You know, God rested on the seventh day after he finished his work and we rest in Christ who paid it all on the cross. And that's what the Sabbath always pointed to. Just as Jesus says himself in Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every day we have the opportunity to live in the good of Christ's finished work. Well, what is the Sabbath? It's God's gracious gift to help us find rest and enjoyment in Him. Why does it matter? Well, because we're dust and because we need spiritual renewal. And how do we apply it? We apply it by guarding our hearts against judging others, by trusting God enough to rest, by giving ourselves to a day of worship and resting in Christ every day. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, we want to thank you yet again for your beautiful words of life, your commandments that you've given to us here at Mount Sinai, Lord. We want to thank you that you're a gracious, sovereign God who's committed to our good, and you know us so well that you, in your kindness, command us to rest. Lord, thank you for that gift. Thank you for that day given to enjoy you. I just pray for us. Lord, you know, for so many of us, we're busy, we're tired, stressed out, over, over overcommitted, overconnected. Lord, I pray, give us wisdom how to live in the good of this. May this be a church that is ever increasingly filled with well-rested people enjoying the beauty of Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.